Okay, we're going to be studying God's will this morning. If you turn to Colossians 1, uh, we're, we're going to move around a lot to different passages, but really in Colossians, um, we're not going to get past verse 1. Uh, and so I promise I'll move quicker through uh, other sections of Colossians, but uh, verse 1 speaks to the will of God, and I thought it would be great to just sit on that this morning a little bit in our, in our study. Uh, Colossians 1, verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. There's a, another interesting part to that um, that uh, we'll get into as well. So, you know, Paul mentions that he's an apostle of Christ Jesus. Paul didn't always do that. <clears throat> so we'll talk um, a little bit as to why Paul may have done this in his letter to uh, the Colossians, but not in other letters. Um, we also hear him, of course, talk about uh, the will of God. And then uh, another interesting part of this verse is uh, that he mentions Timothy, who uh, obviously we know had a really close relationship uh, with Paul, and Paul was like a father to Timothy uh, in the faith. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. So those are, those are really the three things that I want to discuss this morning is just the apostleship of Paul, why he thinks it's important to talk about that, the will of God, which is what we'll spend a lot of time on this morning, what it means to be by the will of God, uh, to have uh, a life that lives according to the will of God, and then uh, Timothy and the relationship between Paul and Th Timothy. Chapter 1 of Colossians is one of the most powerful chapters in the New Testament. If you look at the whole chapter, it's really a powerful thing. And there are 12 key lessons in chapter 1. If you go through the, the different verses, you can really take away 12 different things that, uh, that can apply to anyone who wants to grow spiritually. If you look at Colossians 1. I'll touch on those really quickly. Verse 1, we already talked about quite a bit. Uh, you can take away from that that the most important thing you can do in your practical life is to make sure you're living according to the will of God. That's what verse 1 of Colossians, really we can take away from it. Verse 2, living holy lives should be our goal. Living a life in service, uh, living a life set apart, sanctified, holy, that should be our goal. As Christians. Verse 3, being thankful can change your life and make every day better uh, just by being thankful. Waking up in the morning and first thing you do is offer a prayer of thanks. That can change your life and make every day better. Verse 4, focusing on faith and living by it will keep you spiritually strong, a faithful life. Also in verse 4, love is what distinguishes believers from those who don't know Christ. Uh, we talk about, Drew has done a lot of lessons as of late just on the power of love in Christ and uh, how it is a distinguishing mark between non-believers. Verse 5, whatever you do, hold on to your hope. Um, it's hope that pulls us forward, right, in this life. It's all hope that drives us. Verses 9 through 12, Paul's prayer is a life-changing way to pray for yourself and others. So Paul provides an example 
uh, of prayer for us in Colossians 1. Verses 13 through 14 uh, is Christ, uh, what Christ is for us, and kind of setting the table. If you remember, um, one of the things that uh, Paul really wants to stress to the, to the Colossians is that Christ is all you need. And so in verses 13 through 14, he sets the table. And then verses 15 through 18, he talks about uh, putting Christ first in our lives. Verse 24, Christians can rejoice in suffering. 24 through 25, Christian life involves being a servant to God. If you're a Christian, you're a servant. Paul talks about there. And then number 12, verses 27 through 28, Christ in us is the hope of glory. Putting on Christ is having the hope uh, for living in glory. So those are really quick, just 12 lessons that we can draw from uh, Colossians. What did we say last week? Uh, what did we say that Paul asked of the, the Colossians? He wanted them to do what? Do you remember what he wanted them to do? Nathan, do you remember? He wanted them to remember, right? We talked about that a lot last week. Nathan forgot about that. But um, he talked about uh, remembering. What did he want them to remember? What, were they, what did we talk about last week? They were struggling with um, uh, just living a Christian life because they were distracted, right? We talked about Gnosticism and uh, basically... The Colossians were uh, mixing a lot of different beliefs and um, kind of a melting pot of faith in Colossae, and so they were distracted. And Paul wrote this letter to them. We said it was a proactive letter and not a reactive letter. He wrote this letter to them and encouraged them to remember. Remember Christ. Uh, Christ is all that you need. You don't need all these other religions. You don't need to lean on your Jewish uh, history and the history of legalism, you need to remember that Christ is all you need. Uh, and so that's, that's something that we're going to go back to uh, week after week, week and uh, talk about, you know, what is the, the drive here. Uh, also, as you think about these lessons uh, that we mentioned earlier, the 12 key lessons, think about what applies to you the most. What lesson do you feel like you need the most as we walk through those um, because we need every one of these lessons, but no doubt uh, a few of them jump out to you. So let's, um, let's dive into uh, this first verse, uh, and keep in mind we're going to be talking about these three things. Paul the Apostle, and uh, what it means to be by the will of God, and then Timothy. Uh, what does it mean to live, work, or even be an apostle by the will of God? Uh, what is Paul talking about here? And why does Paul feel as though it's important to identify himself as an apostle? Like I said earlier, Paul didn't do this in every letter. Uh, he only did this in a few of his letters. In other letters, he just uh, provides a greeting. And, um, and so Paul, for some reason, which we'll get into, Paul did this so they knew and understood that he came to them with authority. And what we find, if you look at the, the different letters of Paul, um, whenever he was writing to a congregation that was really challenged, um, he would announce himself as an apostle. Um, 
He also knew that they would, they would also recognize him, right? Paul was pretty well known at this point. This is around 60 AD is what we said last week. Paul is pretty well known uh, in, in the church at this point. And so this helped them understand this is Paul the apostle. Uh, Paul who was once, Paul, was once Saul. And so they knew who was writing to him. Uh, Peter writes of Paul's divine wisdom. Look over at uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 and see how Peter writes of Paul. Uh, if you look at 2 Peter chapter 3 and uh, the latter part of verse 15 and then also 16. Um, Peter says, just as our beloved Paul, brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. As he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. I'm glad Peter mentions that about Paul, because sometimes I read Paul's letters and they're hard for me to understand. Uh, but what, is, what does Peter mean when he says, uh, when he's writing of Paul and he says um, wisdom that was given to him? We often refer to to writings in the New Testament as being what? Inspired, Inspired, right? So Peter's acknowledging that as Paul is writing his letters, uh, this letter to the the church in Colossae, uh, that it is inspired uh, in how he writes to them. So here's uh, here's some examples of times in which Paul uh, provided this full apostle title and times that he didn't. So in personal messages, you tend to see him not provide this title of Paul an Apostle. So the letter to the Philippians and the Thessalonians, they already had a strong link to Paul already. And so he didn't feel like he needed to establish that authority. His personal letter to Philemon uh, did not include this, this title. In his letter to Galatians, he provides the full title. Flip over to, to Galatians really quick. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. And then if you flip down to verse 6, he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Okay, So Paul is, is uh, really wanting to establish his authority in his letter to the Galatians. And then in verse 6, you can see why. Uh, he's trying to turn them back. In the, the letter to the Colossians, he's trying to proactively get them to remember all they need is Christ. And so um, you see in these examples where he really is going to be challenging the church to which he's writing this epistle that he establishes his authority as an apostle. That's really important to, uh, to point out. When Paul points out that he is only an apostle of Jesus by the will of God, he is also pointing out that he was chosen by God to be an apostle. Um, Through that that dynamic of it is God's will, but Paul also has to to come to God, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writes about his concern of others uh, who are false prophets. And uh, so dealing again with this... uh, this challenge of authority and true authority. Look at um, the, the whole first part of uh, chapter 11 is, is about this. 
Uh, but look what he says about these false apostles. They're still apostles, but kind of Paul unveils what kind of apostles they are. He says, And what I am doing I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, their end will correspond to their deeds. Okay, Paul points out that they're, they are apostles, they are messengers, but who are they messengers for? Satan, right? They're messengers for Satan. And so Paul points out in uh, verse 1 of Colossians that he's an apostle of Christ Jesus. And so he is a messenger on behalf of Christ where these false prophets in 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 11 are, uh, are messengers of Satan. And uh, so let's, let's focus on uh, that phrase, by the will of God, um, what does it mean to be an apostle by the will of God? Or what does it even mean to be a Christian by the will of God? So we should be able, we carry a title as well, right? Paul call, carried the title Apostle of Jesus Christ, also a Christian. We carry the title of Christian, all by the will of God. Uh, so we're not forced to live or serve by the will of God. It's not something we're made to do. Uh, we choose to live in accord with it. Uh, and so when we su submit ourselves to his service, uh, we are submitting ourselves to the will of God by the will of God. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I should have had you all stay in 2 Corinthians. Here Paul is speaking about the churches in uh, in uh, Macedonia and their generosity. Look at verse 5. It says, This not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Okay. Um, so you kind of see the progression of how to get to living by the will of God. What does Paul say you have to do first in this passage? Right, so step one, give yourself to the Lord. And then uh, in Paul's example of living by the will of God, uh, he shows that he's, they're also serving other people. That's kind of a side benefit or a, a product of living by the will of God is you give yourself to other people. No doubt there's other products of living by the will of God, uh, but Paul kind of lays out the progression of how to get there. Uh, you give yourself to the, to the Lord. You're put, you put Christ on. You give your life fully over. You bury your old self, and you're a new Christian. That's step one. Step two is you live by the will of God. And again, Paul's example was giving yourself to others. Uh, but there's other ways to do that as well. Uh, it was their decision and their actions in how they gave. Um, so how can you look, look back on your life and know that you're living by the will of God? What are some examples uh, of how you would do that? Um, or what would you see in your own life uh, to know that you're living by the will of God? Uh, number one, if you carry the name of Christian, 
So if you give your life over to, to God, or you've made that decision at one point in your life, um, and you're living by the will of God, uh, you will enjoy it. It's something that you will enjoy. The Bible writes about this uh, often, is the Christian life is a, a life of abundance and joy uh, because you have hope. Um, in John 10, verse 10, Jesus talks about this, and he says that he came so that he, we may have life and have it in abundance. That's what it means to, uh, or that, that is part of uh, what we get if we live by the will of God. Um, life in accordance with God is not designed to make you miserable all the time. Uh, we know because of James, uh, the writings of James and also other writings that there's trials and tribulation and hardships in the Christian life. Uh, but embedded a common theme through all that is hope and joy. And so uh, one way that you know you'll be li- you are living by the will of God is you're a Christian and you also enjoy it. Number two, you will be equipped for it. When you are doing the will of God, you will be good at it. That kind of sounds strange when you, you say that, but, um, you know, have you ever thought, you know, sometimes I'm just not good at, at being a Christian. Uh, I fail too much, or uh, I have to come to God and, forgive, and ask for forgiveness too much. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think it completely works like that, first of all, but secondly, if you live by the will of God, you have confidence in your Christianity. Uh, you're you're good at being a Christian. Um, in some ways, it's hard to say that uh, for any of us to say that. But in other ways, hopefully, you know what I means. What I mean by that, God blesses us with skills and gifts and abilities uh, to fulfill His word, His will, and so we need to acknowledge that uh, as we we work through our lives. Um, it's truly a blessing unto itself to live by the will of God. And lots of times we're caught up in worrying about being mediocre or, um, or just being a regular person. Uh, and we forget and we, we often uh, lose sight of the fact that being a Christian is unique upon, unto itself. Um, it takes care of all of those things. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The way we live our lives, whether we're good at being a Christian, it's all about how we live our lives daily in that uh, attitude of always being asking God for forgiveness because of our sins and mistakes. Yeah. If you didn't hear Jim, uh, and I kind of thought about this as well, uh, which I completely agree with, uh, living by the will of God. and being a Christian by the will of God is, is likened to the phrase walking in the light, right? Uh, just day by day, uh, putting God first, putting Christ first, which is what Paul wanted for the Colossians, and, um, and walking in the light is a lot like how we say living by the will of God, right? So it's a good point. Um, other other comments. What about uh, other attributes that you can see if you say, well, I'm living by the will of God. What are some of the attributes that you can look back and know that you're living by the will of God? In a moment, we're going to talk about how to make sure uh, you're living by the will. Some things that you can do 
uh, in your daily life. Um, and so maybe, uh, maybe some things that uh, we're talking about, which are the attributes, the product of living by the will of God, uh, will come out to you. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a huge benefit to living by godly wisdom, and um, you know, I still consider myself a young person. Uh, maybe I'm not anymore, um, but. As I look back in my, my life, I think about uh, decisions that I could have made. You know, I could have gone down this road or that road. And because I've always been active in the church or I've always worn the name of Christian, even though, you know, personally I've fallen short, I've, I've leaned on godly wisdom and I've been able to make right decisions, not because of decisions that I've made just because I, I know what it means to live by the will of God. And in retrospect, had I not been living by the will of God, I would have made horrible decisions, right? I think that's another way that uh, you can know that you're living by the will of God is to look back at your life and the decisions that you've made, uh, either recent or in way back, and know, okay, you know, Retrospect is, is an amazing thing. It gives you all the answers, full context, and you know whether or not you were living by the will of God at that point or, or not. Right? Uh, just an account of, of your life helps you understand how you're living and what you're doing. Living by the will of God can be simple. It can be simple, servant-oriented uh, actions. Uh, it's also, when you were saying that, I also kind of thought of uh, the idea that uh, it's also a daily activity, right? There's not like a, you know, today I'm going to live by the will of God and I'm going to get some points and then tomorrow I'm going to kind of use my credit. Living by the will of God is a daily activity, right? Speaking of that, that's a good gateway into the next piece I want to talk about, which is uh, how do we live by the will of God? What are some things that we can do uh, to make sure that we are, are doing just that? So here are six principles in seeking God's will, uh, ways that we can align with God's will. First one, as you might have guessed, is surrendering your personal desires. So when we, when we set our own desires aside, the things that we want to do, um, you're, you're able to clearly seek the will of God if you put God first. You know, Ray and I have talked a couple of times, um, or several times, uh, just the big change that happens whenever you start having, having kids. You know, we started having kids about 15 years ago. And it's amazing uh, how your life changes when you have children because 
you're no longer waking up in the morning and doing what you want to do. You start doing, you know, a little bit of what you want to do and then, you know, whatever, whatever it means to fulfill that child's need, right? Um, that's what it means to set aside your own personal desires. Uh, but whenever you do that for God, it's, it's exponentially more, right? Um, uh, it means that you're prioritizing God above everything, God above family, God above everything. Uh, living by the will of God is simply a matter of priority, first and foremost. Uh, it's a matter of priority. Uh, we seek his will, his desires first, and live by them. If we decide what we want to do and then go to God for approval, we also are not seeking his will, right? Uh, there's no, uh, you know, I think I'm going to work this out, and then once I make a decision, I'm going to go to the Bible and see if it aligns with God. That's not the right way to do it, right? The right way to do it is to uh, go to the Bible, uh, live by his word, and um, then those decisions are obvious in our lives. Uh, psalm 34, verse 4, is, uh, is a, a psalm from David, a very popular psalm. Um, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good. In verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord... And he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. David came to the Lord first before everything. And then as, he, as you encounter challenges, as you encounter decisions, um, that's how you're living your, your life. Uh, also, Galatians 1.10, seek to please God and not man. This is what it means to put God first. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ, is what Paul says in Galatians 1.10. So a lot of times we talk about, well, you, you have to put God first, obviously, but we don't get deep enough to say, you know, the, how that should be an actionable item. You have to know God's word to understand God's will. And when you understand God's will then you can walk through life uh, making decisions based on that, not make decisions first and then go to understand uh, what God wants. On that note, the second principle for seeking God's will is to meditate on God's word. So put God first and then meditate on God's word. Back to the Psalms, Psalm 119, a psalm full of God's word. Verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Essentially meaning that um, God's word to the psalmist uh, allows them to see how to walk through life. It's almost the same as walking in the light like we were talking about before. Understand how to please uh, God. Understand how to make decisions in your life by reading his word. Uh, Principle number three, what's normally partnered up with being a student of God's word? In order to, uh, to have a relationship with God, you've got to read his word and you've got to do what? Pray. pray, right? That's the third principle of understanding God's will is to pray. God's will for us is not mystical or difficult. It simply requires true study and also prayer. In James 1, verses 5 through 6, it reads, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, 
who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Um, in order to ask in the right way, with a, a sincere heart, uh, knowing how to approach God through Jesus, you have to study his word. Not just read his word, but study his word. Uh, and then you know what it means to pray to God and ask uh, of God. Principle number four, seek other people's advice. And one of my favorite stories uh, or accounts in the Old Testament is when Moses went to his father-in-law and asked for advice. Remember when Moses did that, he was worn out. Uh, and he asked uh, his father-in-law, you know, what do I do? How do I, how do I handle this? Uh, I'm worn out and helping the people sort out their problems. And his father-in-law helped him out. He gave him some advice. He told him what to do, you know, set up kind of this hierarchy and uh, you, can, you can do that. We struggle so much, especially with matters of faith. I think it's because we, uh, in our culture, we hold our faith so close and it's so private uh, that we struggle uh, going and, and talking to others. And uh, we forget that, you know, the reason why the church was instituted or one of the reasons why the church was instituted um, was to set up a congregation, a relationship where you can go and seek help and ask, ask people uh, things. There's reasons why we call elders shepherds. Elders are not in place to uh, institute programs for us to get work done. Uh, they're not in place to uh, make sure we're on budget, right? They're in place so that we can go to them and they can come to us and they can ask, uh, act as shepherds in our life. Um, so we need to seek other people's advice when we're struggling with decisions, whether they're simple or difficult. Uh, that's, that's why uh, we have each other. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. All right, so that's number four. Seek other people's advice. Number five, consider your circumstances. Um, I don't know how the providence of God 100% works. Uh, I don't know that any of us can say that we do. Um, but I do believe that circumstances are a big part of it, right? Um, you know, another way to say that is opportunities are all around us. And oftentimes we really do know what the right thing to do is. Right? If we really sit down and we logically think through whatever decision it is that's happening, we know what God wants for us. Uh, we know uh, what, what his plan is for us and uh, what it means to live by hope. And uh, sometimes we make decisions harder than they actually are. Um, just understanding your circumstances, what God's will is, and then making decisions by it is what it means to consider your circumstances. Last one, uh, principle number six, uh, ways that you can make sure you're living by the will of God. Think, think through your decisions and uh, remember. So again, Paul's challenge to the Colossians 
uh, Nathan, remember, uh, is to remember. So think through your decisions and remember. Uh, keep in mind that we were, we were given a gift. Uh, John 14, 26, uh, Jesus promises, the, promises us the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is described as a helper in verse 26. It reads, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Uh, much like providence, uh, we don't 100% know how this works, um, but this is, this is what we mean when we say, remember, uh, as you sit down, as you make decisions, as you think about the will of God, uh, remember uh, what it means to be a Christian and make decisions based on the will of God. Uh, the Spirit is filled with reasoning and wisdom and is there as a gift for us. Uh, Proverbs 14, 15 says, The prudent carefully consider their steps. Sometimes when we feel like we're rushing into things, that's a really good scenario where you just need to stop and uh, pray and read and study and remember, right? What other uh, principles did you think of? I listed six uh, principles for knowing that you're living by the will of God. Uh, what other principles can you think of? Did I... That's good. When you, were, when you were saying that, it made me think, you know, if you were to simply put that principle down, that might be uh, remember your example, right? So we have an example of how to walk by the will of God. You know, was it easy for Jesus to die on the cross? No. That was, that was a, you know, the way we read that, that was a decision that he had to make. Uh, leading up to his crucif crucifixion. He understood the will of God, and he did it, right? What an example to us, whenever it's sometimes hard to live by the will of God, uh, to make the decision to still do it. Um, so that would be a good number seven, Nathan. Uh, remember that we have an example. All right, let's close out talking, by Timothy, talking about Timothy. It's interesting how uh, verse one ends... Um, uh, Paul is talking about himself being an apostle by the will of God. We talked about what it means to be uh, doing things by the will of God. We're Christians by the will of God, uh, just like Paul was an apostle by the will of God. And then he ends it by saying, and Timothy, our brother. Uh, so what do we take from that? Does it mean that Paul and Timothy uh, changed out and, you know, Timothy wrote some of Colossians and Paul wrote some of Colossians? What is, how do we read this? In, uh, in verse 1. And uh, so I want to talk about uh, that just a little bit. Number one, what I, what I just suggested, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that's true. I don't think, uh, you know, Timothy was like a ghost writer or, you know, they were collaborating on this. In fact, you can see um, after verse 9, so verses 1 through 9, uh, Paul is using words like we and us. And then after verse 9 of chapter 1, Paul moves more to kind of 
personal pronouns or singular uh, pronouns where he's talking about I and you know what I want or how I act or you know those that sort of wording. Um, so it, it's almost like it's really just centered around the greeting and how how Paul is uh, writing this. Um, we also know that um, uh, Timothy uh, was in no way sharing the same authority as Paul. Uh, so Timothy's not listed as an apostle here. He's just listed as part of the greeting. Uh, Timothy learned from Paul and uh, was simply a, a Christian uh, who uh, was working with Paul. And uh, that's how we should think of it uh, as we read through this. This is the same Timothy who received two letters of encouragement from Paul. Uh, so first and second Timothy uh, were the letters there. Uh, Timothy was the true son of faith uh, found in uh, Timothy chapter 1 verse 2. In verse 5 of First uh, Timothy 1, uh, or in, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, we read of Timothy's mother and grandmother as women of sincere faith. Uh, and we know that Paul invested a lot of time in Timothy. Um, Timothy must have been uh, just a, a young man who showed a lot of promise. Uh, we know that Timothy's father was a Greek in uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Uh, we learn that Timothy's mother was a Jewish woman of faith, uh, but that uh, his father was Greek. So more than likely uh, not a believer. Um, don't know how active he was in Timothy's life. But we know that Timothy was very much persuaded by Paul uh, to be a Christian and by his mother and his grandmother. Uh, Timothy is uh, pretty important in the New Testament. His name is listed 24 times as you read through the New Testament. Um, so he is a significant character in the account uh, or in, in Paul's letters, uh, no doubt. Um, Paul calls him my son. Uh, so a lot of people think that maybe Paul baptized Timothy, and that's why Paul calls him my son uh, as, as part of that action. And then in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 24, let's flip there real quick, um, and we'll kind of close out here. We read quite a bit about Timothy just in that paragraph. It says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. And so you get to see really the type of person that Timothy was, uh, how close he was to Paul. And so I think whenever Paul mentions Timothy in Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, uh, he's really just talking about, number one, this just Paul was a very relational person, uh, very personal person. Um, and so really, you can see that quite a bit in his letters and in his writings. But I think uh, Timothy was with him. Uh, the church there in Colossae had to have known about Timothy. And so Paul was uh, making uh, Timothy a part of the greeting 
just as he as he builds the relationship with uh, col- the people there in in uh, Colossae. All right, and that's it uh, for this morning. So um, I think we have solid ground on verse one. Um, I will move quicker through other verses. We won't just do one verse at a time, but I hope you got a lot out of that, uh, just the will of God and the importance of it in our lives. Any closing thoughts before we close out completely? Anything else? All right. Thank you all. Thanks for your, your time.